Hey guys, welcome to the Built Lean Podcast. I'm Mark Perry, the creator of Built Lean, which helps men with demanding careers get lean, strong, and functionally fit with exceptional vitality. And today I have Nick Holt with me. And so Nick is the founder of Nick Holt Fitness and co-founder of Saltwater Fit. And he helps men over 40 feel, move, and just look better. And as a personal trainer and nutrition coach, he's created an easy to follow framework to simplify what it takes to get fit as we get older. He lives on the beach in Costa Rica and uh, lives on the beach in Costa Rica and has numerous exercise and nutrition certifications. And he has also been a contributing writer to Built Lean and uh, has written over 20 articles. And so Nick and I were put in touch by a mutual friend back in 2010. And we had just both left finance to focus on sharing our passion um, and enthusiasm for health and fitness. And since then, we've had a bunch of conversations and I've even visited Nick and his now wife, Julie, in Costa Rica. And so with that said, thank you so much for, for joining, Nick. I know it was like really short notice and uh, it's just great to see you, man. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. It's good to be here. Always a pleasure to talk to you. So I'm excited <laughs> to dive into all this stuff. Nice, man. So so I guess to start off, I you know, I'd love to talk a little bit about your background. I mean, you were an investment analyst like myself, right? Kind of working long hours behind a desk in an office. And uh, and then you decided to peace out and work for a surf camp in Costa Rica. And it's like one of those like fantasies that a lot of people have when they're like working in an office, like, oh, it'd be cool to like be, be near a beach, but you actually did it. And so I guess, you know, what happened? What led you to become a fitness professional and leave the corporate kind of world behind? Yeah. So I think, you know, even during my time as an investment analyst, I felt this, this desire, like, first of all, my body was starting to, to fall apart. And I think you sort of shared that similar sort of journey where like, as an athlete, you're used to your identity being wrapped up in what you can do and how you look and, and just that identity of being an athlete. And that was completely falling apart after six, seven years of sitting at a desk. And so I felt this sort of urge I had to do something because I didn't want to get to my 30s, you know, resigned to a life of being behind a desk and sedentary. So I had to do something. And it just so happened that this was around 2008, 2009, when the whole market was falling apart. And I sort of looked at this as like, this is a great opportunity to sort of do something. But the downside wasn't, you know, I didn't, I had sort of a limited downside because everybody was going to the office. There was a lot of you know, office morale was pretty low. My boss had just got let, let go. So it was one of these times where I just had to had to make the change. It, it was, you know, talking with people, doing some, I was doing some self-development work and, and looking at other options. And it just felt like this was the right time. I was about to turn 30. So there's all these sort of things that kind of came together. Um, and so, it, but it really started as a desire to, to sort of change the way I felt in, in my body and how I felt just on a day-to-day basis, I felt that kind of deteriorating. So I had to, to do something. So I did something pretty drastic. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then, and then obviously you became a fitness professional. Yeah. And I started mm-hmm. doing a little bit of that stuff on the side just to sort of right. dip my toe in the water to see um, how, you know, I was training some friends and families still. This is, how I was living in San Francisco at the time. Um, and then when I got to Costa Rica, it just happened that I, you know, been a surfer for a few years, um, started working at surf camp and realized how, how demanding the sport was. I always thought I was fit. You know, I was lifting weights. I was doing cardio, doing all that stuff that, you know, 
most of us do on a daily basis, but surfing really transformed my understanding of what it, what it really is to be fit and to be flexible and to be mobile. And, and so I help people at this surf camp, which is Rock Surf Camp here in Costa Rica. I help them prepare and we did stretching classes. We did some strength training. We did some sort of technique stuff to help people, you know, last for, for two weeks. Cause you go on a surf trip for two weeks. I mean, I think you came down and you surfed for a few days and like after a it's couple intense. days, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, people come down for two weeks and two days in and they're completely, you know, out of energy. Their arms are right. sore. They have a tweak lower back. So um, I was able to help people just stay in the water longer and then help people on their next trips kind of train for surfing. Cause that's the big thing. If you just do a little preparation work, uh, it just makes your experience so much different because you have more, you can spend more time in the water. Cool. So I think that's actually a great segue to what I wanted to talk about, which is active passion. And I know this is an idea that you've talked about. You've even written on Built Lean. And if you search active passion in Google, I think the, the Built Lean article comes up on the first page. But the point is, is like, you know, this is something that you've introduced. And so I guess the question is, um, you know, what is active passion and why is it important for your long-term health and well-being? Um, no. My passion is something that you do physically that, that just lights you up, that you don't have to be motivated to do. So for me, I think it's all, you know, we're all different. So for me, it's surfing and tennis. You don't have to get me, pull me out of bed at 5 a.m. To, to go and go surf, right? There's that intrinsic motivation, um, which I think is really powerful. I think that really is the, the key to, to long-term health um and and just finding that that movement practice i think another way to put it is like meaningful movement something that that you enjoy um that just keeps you going because let's be honest i mean even myself as a health coach you i'm sure we all deal with days where we don't want to train and we don't want to do things but having these active passions in our lives can really uh, set us up for success in the long run um and then and then it's like you're training you know, the stuff and you do at the gym can help sort of facilitate these active passions that you have that you have. So for me, a lot of my training revolves around, you know, mobility training, making sure that I'm staying flexible. I have the endurance, the paddle to play tennis. And I think it's going to be different for everybody else. But it's really just about what that what lights you up. And I think that article that, that I wrote for Boleyn has a bunch of different uh, resources for people if they want to, um, you know, look into that deeper. It's generally like a sport you played when you were 10 years old that, you know, you couldn't stop playing because you just you had that passion. Right. So it, I think that as we get older, right, there's this whole, um, you know, we play less and we, we exercise more. And I think, I think if we, if we turn that equation around, I think, I think people can, can at least have stay in the fitness game longer. Right. Because there's no, there's not that, that, I have to, or I, you know, you should do something. It's more sort of internal as far as the motivation goes. Right. And it sounds, and I think one interesting thing about what we are talking about is like a mindset shift where like the exercise supports the active passion. And because you're at it, because it's your passion and you're intrinsically motivated, you know, you don't really, you, you're like, okay, the exercise is supporting it. You know, it's part of it. It's not necessarily something that like, oh man, I really don't want to do it. It's because like, it's just going to help me improve and, enjoy my passion more. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, I think also like having said that, I think there is, you know, for, for, and you know this, and I'm sure anybody who's looked at this, like it is important to have 
and train and make sure you're maintaining muscle mass as right. we get older. I mean, we both work with with guys as they get older, and it's, it is really important to maintain that lean tissue right. for metabolic health, for physical capacity. So, I you know, I don't want to discount the importance of, of, of training, training, right? But it's almost like that's additive, right? That's not the main focus. And for some people, maybe weightlifting is their active passion, and that's right. awesome. Right. And that's awesome. Cool, cool. And so um, let's talk about exercise. So we've obviously talked about this stuff ad nauseum over the years, like, and we're always evolving, right? We're always you know, improving. I'm curious, what, it, what is your exercise routine like right now? So right now, I'm really, um, I just had knee surgery, actually. And I don't think you know. Oh, I, my I goodness. I didn't even know that, dude. Uh, yeah. So I had just like a, a meniscus cleanup. So like a basic okay. scope to clean up some some tissue in my meniscus, my medial meniscus that um, an old basketball injury playing tennis, playing surfing over the years as a, as a 41-year-old now. Um, you know, these parts tend to wear out. Um, but I really think that injury was because I lacked a lot of the hip mobility um, and a certain a lot of things was a lot of stress. So I've really been focused on on doing um, a lot of the FRC stuff. I'm, not, I'm sure you're familiar, functional range conditioning. I just actually uh, did a kin stretch certification. So I'm going to be doing some, uh, some F- it's basically the FRC functional range conditioning in a group setting. So for those of, the, for those of you who don't know, it's basically just using, it's functional mobility. It's, it's not only being flexible, but it's having the strength to control those ranges of motion. Um, and for a sport like surfing, you really need to be mobile. So I spend a lot of my time doing, um, you know, it's a lot of isometric stuff, a lot of stuff that looks like yoga. Um, I would say I do some of that stuff every day. And then I, I lift heavy maybe once or twice a week. I'll do some basic squats and deadlift pulls and presses. Um, and then I'm enough to live on the beach. So I just love the ocean. You know, I call it, you know, the saltwater medicine. So I try to I try to get in the ocean as much as I can, whether that's just swimming or, you know, surfing, obviously, uh, or even just walking on the beach. Um, I think that's one thing that I've implemented more lately. Um, it's just walks, you know, it's so underrated. It's an easy way to get steps up, listen to a podcast, do some kind of guided meditation, whatever it is, but you're just able to be in nature and, and um, you know, to, to reduce some of those stress hormones. And, and there's just so many benefits. So that's kind of my my overall training, a lot of mobility training, and then some little strength training in there with, with the beach stuff. Cool. And so it sounds like it's, you know, you're doing, and by the way, your knee is like, well, what's the status with your knee? Are you going to be able to like train or like in a little? Four weeks out. And it it was like, I think with meniscus stuff, they try to repair it, but in this case, they just remove some of the the junky tissue. So there's no rehab. So I'm four weeks out. I'm probably a week out from surfing. I've been, I'm still able to squat and deadlift. Um, so I, it's been a pretty good, pretty good recovery. Okay. It's a pretty straightforward procedure. And you're, and so are you still, are you lifting like a few days a week? Like what is your kind of, you know, kind of the frequency look like? Yeah, I'm probably lifting. Um, I have a buddy of mine in, that's a neighbor who's doing a lot of strongman stuff. So he, okay. lifts, he just lifts an ungodly amount of weight. Um, and he's a big dude, you know, he's probably six, two, two forty, pretty lean. Um, so he put a squat rack and he's got a bunch of equipment in our gym. So I haven't been going to the local gym here, but in our basement, we created a little gym 
uh, with a squat rack and some barbells and, and plates. So I've been doing, I'll probably two or three days a week, I'll do some, uh, some proper strength training. Um, so I would say on an average month, I'm getting about 12, 12 okay. solid workouts in per month. And are you doing, and so I remember that actually I visited you when you were briefly in San Diego and Encinitas and I went to like a hot yoga, which I don't think I'd really done before. And that ever since then, I've been doing it pretty religiously. Obviously with COVID, it hasn't been as much at all, but um, yeah. I know that you were big on COVID. I'm sorry. You were big on, um, on uh, yoga, you know, before COVID and what, what are you like, are you still doing yoga or what, like, what's the deal? Yeah, I'm not doing, I think to your point with COVID, it's hard. I mean, actually, Costa Rica has been relatively open. Um, right. I haven't, there's a yoga studio um, here that, that, I, that I have gone to in the past, but I'm, I'm doing a lot of my stuff on my own. I, I've actually replaced a lot of that yoga with some of these FRC drills, and it actually okay. looks a lot of yoga. So it, right. is a lot of, it is a lot of passive stretching. So if you look at me, I do a lot of stuff on the beach. If you walked by, you'd probably think, oh, that guy's doing yoga. Right, um, right. But so it is, you know, I still think yoga, um, especially for a lot of the guys I work with who are sitting at a desk. And if anybody's listening to this and they're sitting a lot, I think yoga is amazing to just just reduce some of that tension in the body. Right. I just think that yoga does a great job at the passive flexibility, but it doesn't necessarily hit on the active ranges. And also it depends on what type of yoga too, right? We're talking about, you know, there could be hundreds of different um, protocols or variations, but I still use some form of yoga like stretching. And, and I think, um, yeah, just the, the time I did spend yoga, just spending time in that sort of present grounded space, I think has been really, really powerful just to sort of downregulate the, the nervous system and get into right. a more relaxed state, especially before bed. Um, or if I feel like I'm getting too charged up and I need to sort of down, down regulate this. And, and so by the way, with the FRC, which is essentially like a mobility, um, are you doing that? Are you have like a daily mobility routine? Cause I know we've talked about how, you know, especially as athletes, we're both athletes in college, like how we're like pretty obsessed with just getting more and more mobile. And of course it's like, I think when you first get into fitness, you know, it's all, you're all, you're really focused on, okay, I just want to get as muscular and strong as possible. And then you kind of make that shift and be like, oh, wow, mobility can help me so much. And so uh, are you doing, are you, do you have a mobility, a daily mobility routine that you're doing? Yeah, pretty much. I right. do. So I do a, a, a mobility routine. It's a lot of the, uh, the cars stuff, which okay. are the articular rotation. So for anybody listening, that's just like a big, like a joint circle, right? So the idea is getting your joints through those ranges of motion. Um, so I do those many times throughout the day. Uh, and then depending on what I'm doing the day, I might do a five or 10 minute mobility routine. A lot of the stuff I think you've been doing some right. squatting and some lunging, um, you know, basically just activating a lot of the, the big joints, the hips and the shoulders and making sure that the spine is moving and all that good stuff. Right. And so by the way, for people listening, we'll definitely have an example on the article on built lean of like what a cars looks like, what an FRC looks like. I've actually done the FRC, um, certification, in New York city and like what that looks like. But the idea is, is like, if you can just pretend like you're, you're like keeping your arm straight at your side and then you lift it forward and lift it all the way around in a circle, like as far a range of motion as you can while controlling it. That's kind of what it looks like. It's, it's definitely 
I think it's a really challenge. I think it's challenging. It's, it's definitely hard, but, um, I mean, it's also has huge reward, but anyways, I'll include what that looks like. So you can actually see it because it's, it's hard to describe it. Right. It's like, actually, it's, it's really difficult to describe it. To like there's different levels you can do it. So right. If you just, right. You know, like a basic arm circle, that's one level. But if you do like what, what they call level three or a more intense variation where you're really, you're packing tension right. into your, right. You're trying to squeeze out every bit of rotation in that joint. Like it can be really, really intense. Right. No, like it can be super gnarly. Like, I mean, the, 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 a lot of that stuff actually is not very enjoyable, right. uh, but it's very beneficial. It kind of sucks, but it, it, it does, you're giving those tissues the inputs that they need to adapt and, and change, which, you know, unfortunately the way, you know, you have to just, create that intensity for the body to, <laughs> to adapt. Right. Right. And actually I have a quick question, which I think is probably relevant to a lot of guys is how's your ankle mobility doing? I know that, uh, after many years of basketball, that ankle mobility was definitely a challenge. I've made progress. I want to, I want to hear how's, how's that ankle mobility. I remember yeah, no. that's something we we've talked about a long time. Yeah. We could probably spend hours yeah. talking about it. <laughs> I think it actually is really important for most people. They don't right. realize like, if they can't squat well, it, it actually might be their ankles that are holding them back. I mean, it might not be, but um, yeah, it's it's getting better. I think uh, um, you know I've worked on more of of do it like more footwork, like making sure that my foot can evert and and invert. So I right. so more of like the, I think I just had a really stiff foot, and I think I was trying to work on the ankle dorsiflexion without. I didn't really have the space. In, in that it was getting kind of stuck. So I, I'm working on more of my foot mobility and that's opened up a little bit space for my ankle. So cool. I, I think that, and that's something I learned from, from the FRC guys is in order for that, you know, that lower part of the leg to, to drive forward, you need to have a little bit of rotation in, in the foot. And, and so it's, it's something I think you had a lot of success just stretching the hell out of your calves, right? I mean, I, I've, dude, I've, I've done, you know, I've done it all with like the band distractions and all this other stuff, which is a little tricky. And I think it's, uh, it's a little dicey when you work on your own body. Cause if you break it, you can't just get a new part. Right. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, I've definitely uh, pushed it a little too far more than a few times, but for me doing, um, like the weighted, a weighted, uh, calf stretch, like just rolling yeah. it out, weighted calf stretch, um, doing um, uh, like the goblet squat, but like holding it like at the bottom and kind of like working like a prying goblet squat kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then the last thing, which I recently learned from a buddy who actually was on this, uh, was on the podcast, uh, Narius. I don't know if you know Narius Bagdonis, but he's uh, he's become like super high level like movement. He's super flexible and he he basically will just stand up and then just like push his knee forward and like on one leg. So he stands up on one leg, kind of pushes his knee forward and then just like chills and just lets it go forward. It's almost like an active stretch. Yeah. Um, anyways, a combination of all those is what's worked for me. And as, as we both know, like it's, it's an evolution, man. You're constantly working on it, but it has such a, it's had it, but in all seriousness, it's had a significant impact on my overall mobility and how my body moves, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 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 vital. I mean, if anybody wants to be athletic and be able to to you know play sports or to be able to run and jump, like you need you need to have some decent level of of ankle mobility. And yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with like just having stiff feet and the big right. big 
people being stiff. So it's all related. But yeah, if you want to do some fun stuff with your body, you got to make sure that that ankle joint uh, has that range. And, and I'm sure you've provided, you know, quick tests. There's some easy tests you can right, do to make right. sure that you're, you're not deficient. I don't think you need to be world class. <laughs> right. I don't think I'm ever going to be world class. But you know, just to make sure that it's not deficient, I have adequate range of motion for what I'm trying to do. I think that's important for, you know, depending on what you're trying to do, it might require different ranges. Cool. Cool. So, so let's, um, uh, let's talk about nutrition, by the way, is there anything else you want to mention about exercise in general, um, before we move on to kind of some nutrition stuff? No, that's it, man. I think, I think, yeah, that active passion is just for me and the guys I work with. It's just such a vital piece that, 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 that's at the center of, of sort of what we do. And I think it's really important for people to, to discover that. And it really can be anything. And it might take a little time to find it, you know, for maybe those who haven't played sports or it doesn't, you know, come to the top of the mind. Um, it definitely is worth spending the time to find that because it just, it's going to make everything easier and you're going to be able to play the long game. You're going to have a lot more success that way. Cool. Cool. Um, I appreciate that. And I was just thinking about, uh, you know, my dad who, you know, plays golf, like that's his active passion. And it's, I mean, to do, to, to do a proper golf swing and hit a ball far, like that's a very athletic move. Right. And in other words, like he's not a huge fan of, of training and working out like back in the day, people didn't even do it. You played sports. If you want to get in better shape, you played more sports. Right. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, I think, I think that's definitely helpful is to, if you have that active passion, it makes the training a little bit easier for some people. Um, and so let's, let's talk about nutrition. So what does your, what does your diet look like right now? So right now I, I do some form of, of fasting, I'd say pretty much every day. And it mostly looks like some kind of intermittent fast, just skipping breakfast. Okay. And, and, and I do this more from, and I have most of the guys that I work with still do this. And I think there is some, some high, you know, whether it's longevity benefits, autophagy stuff, which, you know, I'm sure some of your readers are familiar with, which is basically that cellular cleanup. Um, I think there's something there. I do it really for simplicity factor. Just, it's just easier for my busy life. If I'm training, um, if I'm working, you know, it's just, I eat mostly like my first meal around 10 or 11, uh, maybe 12. And it'll look like some kind of Usually it's a, maybe a Greek yogurt with some protein powder, maybe some fruits. Um, sometimes it might be a shake. I'll do, uh, you know, a coconut water, some, some berries, maybe a banana, some green powder and a, and a shake, just like a big hearty shake. Um, and then sometimes I won't even eat. And then for, for lunch, it's generally, you know, salad and, and protein and dinner is a lot of salad and protein. So it's just right. <laughs> it's a lot of salad and it's a lot of protein, but I think if you have a few skills in the kitchen, you can make a salad taste really good. I think that's one thing that like some of the guys I've worked with, they're like, holy shit, I, I actually, this tastes good. I think that a lot of the mentalities are on like, okay, I have to eat like an iceberg lettuce, you know, bland salad that tastes like crap. And like, I mean, that sucks, right? But I think you can make it taste good. You can use you know, whatever you can find sort of what you like. Um, but that's the heart of my diet. It's, it's, it's basically mostly plant-based, but right. I do eat a fair amount of, of chicken breast and red meat occasionally and, and fish. I mean, I live in Costa Rica, so we have pretty good local fish. We have mahi, which is dorado. We have tuna. Yeah. 
we have red snapper. So I try to eat as much of that stuff as possible. Um, and then I, you know, I, I, I like my, my sweets and I'll have some chocolate and, um, you know, popcorn and stuff from time to time. So that's kind of my high level nutrition as, as it is right now. Okay. And, and so you, you'll have like, you said breakfast around 10 or 11 or 12. Like in other words, are you doing two meals or are you doing three meals? It sounds like you're doing three meals. You're just kind of like, instead of doing it like a eight, 12 and like seven or something like a lot, like most people you're doing it. It sounds like kind of like 10, 11, 12, two, three, and then like six, seven. I'm kind of curious. Is yeah. that what you're doing? Yeah. Depends on the day. I'd say right. most days is actually two meals. It's okay. like two meals and a snack. So, so it'll be like, um, I call like a yogurt with some protein powder is like a little bit of a snack. Right. And then it's like a light lunch. It's like a light lunch or a snack, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then, and then my salads and my meals are pretty big, you know, so I don't really track. I think it is really helpful for people. Um, so to log their food at least once or at least for a couple of days. And I think you've maybe talked about this too, just to get the awareness because, you know, if you're trying to stay in a calorie deficit, if the goal is getting leaner, which, you know, a lot of, people listening to this, that's probably their goal. A lot of the guys I work with, that's their number one goal is fat loss. Like you need to stay in that deficit. And a lot of times there are certain foods that you might think are healthy, but are just really caloric, you know? So like avocados and nuts come to mind, super healthy, but I don't know about you. I can't just eat a handful of nuts. I usually eat a fair amount of nuts. <laughs> right. You know, you, you could be looking at four or 500 calories right there. And I just think having the awareness is is really helpful so i will do that time to time just to check in to see um you know where my calories are at but i'm not really counting calories or anything like that so i think that's you get a sense of where your vitamins and minerals are too it gives you a better picture of you know if your diet is is crossing all the checking off all the boxes for a lot of these vitamins and minerals that might be hard to get you know like potassium and magnesium and choline, a lot of these, these, these vital pieces of the puzzle that, you know, vitamin D stuff that we need for health, for longevity, for immunity, um, that unfortunately the Western diet is very deficient in, Right. you know, um, I, I think that's almost just as powerful as the, as the calories, like the macros of carbs, proteins, and fats is, seeing where your micronutrients are, seeing how much fiber you're getting, seeing, you know, where your omega-3 and omega-6 balance comes through. I mean, that's a really important thing to, to just have awareness on. And I think tracking it, you know, with these apps can, can drive that awareness. Cool, cool. And so, and by the way, on that, on that note, I'm just kind of talking out loud here. I mean, you've actually uh, shared for free a lot of awesome recipes. And I've visited you, of course, in Costa Rica. Like Nick is the real deal, man. He eats like super healthy, super unprocessed foods. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and you know, he's written great articles, like how to prepare 16 healthy meals in 40 minutes on built lean. Like that's done really well. We've had like tens of thousands of readers, uh, you know, read that one. And so, um, I guess the question, next question, Nick is, uh, do you, do you drink alcohol? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I do. Um, you know, my, my wife, comes from, she used to work in biotech uh, sales and she actually worked in Napa Valley was her, <laughs> her region. So she got accustomed 
to, to drinking some good wine. And so, I, yeah, I'll have a few glasses of wine throughout the week. I, I definitely am not drinking heavily uh, like I did in college or thereafter. Um, but I would say, yeah, I would say I'm drinking between maybe five drinks a week, um, maybe keeping it under 10. I think to me, and, and I don't know what your perspective on this is, Mark, but I, like the literature that I've seen, it's like no amount of alcohol is good for you. <laughs> right, right. Like, I think we'll stop. Let's just, but, but I think if, if a couple of drinks can make you more social and you can connect with other humans and it allows you to laugh and, and, and be with people, especially now where we're so deprived of, of like human connection, if having a beer or two with a buddy, um, if, if that helps you connect, I, I think, I think that's really powerful. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the problem lies when, when you get north of, of 10 or 15 drinks a week, I think metabolically speaking, you know, it just, it's hard to do a lot of the things that we're trying to do, burn fat, build muscle when you have that much booze in the system. Right. So, right. I think there's a certain point, like anything, I think you can get away with a little bit and, and I don't see a huge amount of downside and, and I enjoy it too. I think it's when you're having less of it, you tend to enjoy it more. You can savor it. <clears throat> cool. No, I, I definitely appreciate that. And, and do you, uh, do you drink coffee? I do drink coffee. Um, I have experimented going, you know, a month you know, six weeks without coffee, which was pretty brutal. I think caffeine, <laughs> caffeine addiction is pretty intense. I think it's, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe nicotine and is the only thing that's more addictive. I, I forget reading the study, but I remember seeing caffeine is, is a highly addictive substance. So um, I'm aware of it. I, I just love everything about the smell, the taste, the ritual. Uh, I live in Costa Rica. We get some pretty awesome oh, I imagine. local beans that, you know, I do a French press. So I just, I usually drink one in the morning and I'll have a cup maybe in the afternoon. Um, but it's all, I, I've also gone without it and have felt better after getting through like five or seven days. Um, Cause there is a pretty hardcore withdrawal uh, phase that you have to go through. That's, you know, you can titrate down. I just went cold turkey. I wouldn't necessarily advise that. That was pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's so funny, man. So, so um, you know, you you give advice, uh, and we actually give a similar advice. Like, I think if you've been doing this a long time, you kind of you start to see the kind of parallels here, but um, or you start to find the principles, right? It's like you find the truth, and so one one kind of advice you give or recommendation is, you know, you focus eighty percent of your nutrition on real food, right? I call it unprocessed food, but you know, real food. Like, can you just talk more about what that means? Yeah, so I think it's like I think it's that that 80/20 principle that I'm sure many people are familiar. I think you can even go to 90/20 that the whole idea is that you know, I think when you're obsessing about everything that you put in your body, um, you just create a lot more psychological stress. And I think stress is a big thing for, you know, especially for for high performers, entrepreneurs, like a lot of people listening to this, like the stress of exercise, the stress of family relationships, the stress of worrying about food, those are all stressors. So it's like, I think if you just, to me, spending 80% of my time on, on eating or 80% of the food that I, that I eat is, is whole foods, you know, mostly plants and, 
and in protein so I'm getting enough fiber. And then the other 10, 15, 20%, I just kind of eat what I want. Um, and you know, as long as you're moving your body and as long as you're at a healthy body fat percentage, I think, um, to me that, that, that's a really successful equation. I think that's, that's the key to sort of long-term health and longevity is not sort of overanalyzing and, and, and stressing about being perfect. I think it's about finding what works for you, uh, and, and, you know, mostly eating whole foods. I think Michael Pollan, I think I always go back to the Michael Pollan quote from Omnivores de Mel. It's like something like, you know, it's seven words, like mostly plants and not a lot, you know? So just like you're eating mostly plants, you're not eating a ton of calories, but you're, if you're eating mostly whole foods, it's actually, it can be a challenge to get to your calorie needs because you're eating so much fiber and you're eating so much volume of food. And then it's, yeah, an occasional, you know, chocolate. Um, I had some last, you know, a couple of days ago was our anniversary. So I made a, a chocolate lava cake. Congratulations. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think it's, again, like the booze thing, it's, it's most of the time I'm drinking water, but I'll have some booze. I think with the diet thing, it's most of the time I'm eating vegetables and plants and protein and, and but I'll certainly have foods that, that I enjoy. Cause I think life is meant to be enjoyed. And if you're moving enough, you get enough steps and you, you got some muscle mass on board, and you've talked about this a lot, you know, like muscle mass is really protective of, you know, you can get away with more calories because you got more of a, of a, of a sugar sink, you know, you got all that glycogen stored up so you can literally get away with, you know, a higher carbohydrate diet, which is probably a topic for another time. But I think that's a huge, a huge factor is having some muscle mass on board. You can literally get away with, with, you know, more, more sugar intake. Right, right. And so next up, regarding the kind of car, cars we were, we were just talking about, you, you talk uh, about earn your carbs. You said that in sure. one of your articles. So what do you mean by that? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think just to piggyback on that, what I just said, I think it's, um, you know, just basic physiology. Like when you have more muscle mass, you have more storage, you have more storage space for carbohydrates. So when I say earn your carbs, generally, if if someone's looking to lose weight, lose, when, when people are going to lose weight, it's mostly lose, lose body fat. And so generally, if you, if you earn your carbs and you eat your higher carbohydrate meals around your workouts, you're basically going to absorb those carbohydrates into your muscle cells versus spilling over into adipose tissue. So obviously, it's more complex than that. You need to be at a calorie surplus to, to put on fat. But earning your carbs just means kind of, you know, having those higher carbohydrate meals around the, the workout time. And it doesn't have to be, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about the, the anaerobic window uh, within two right. hours. You see, the, you see the bros running around <laughs> sipping on their protein shakes. And I think, like, uh, it does, you know, you don't have to get too obsessive about it. I think just timing... Uh, uh, you know, higher carbohydrate meals around around workouts, either before or right. probably, ideally after. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say those days of uh, you know walking around with muscle milk and having like an IV of muscle milk those are long gone for me, man. Um, and and yeah, one, one and by the way, for, so for people listening, one thing I want to uh, mention or ask you is like, I think one thing that confuses guys a lot is the idea of like you know, achieving a goal and like getting lean and then like staying lean. 
right? And it's like, they're not necessarily the, exactly the same thing. In my opinion, I don't know, like, again, I want to hear your thoughts. Like getting lean and staying lean are actually different. And like out there in like the, the internet and the webs, it's like, oh, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, you do one thing and then you're just like, you're fit lean forever. But from my perspective, it's like, it, they're just different, right? One is more of like, okay, let's get focused. It's not going to be amazing. We're going to have to sacrifice a little bit. But once you get there, then it's like you can kind of cruise control. I want to hear your your thoughts on that kind of difference between getting lean and staying lean. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that question because I think it, it people are so confused. And I think they're two totally separate things. I think get like people, I think nowadays it's really popular to kind of, you know, crap on diets like, oh, you don't need to diet and you don't need to count calories. But if your goal is getting lean, I am 100% on board with doing a short-term diet, a calorie deficit, to get that goal. A ton of sense. And then once you achieve that goal, to your point, it's it's if you have it, it's building the the foundations, and it's the other piece is building the foundation of muscle and movement so that you can start eating a lot more calories. It's this it's this high flux kind of diet, which I'm, maybe some of your familiar, your listeners are familiar with, but it's like you're eating more and you're moving more and you're just getting more energy through the system. That's kind of the way I look at that maintenance mode. But to get lean, it's a very specific equation of make sure you stay in that calorie deficit, make sure you're strength training so you preserve your muscle mass, make sure you're getting enough protein so you're not breaking down that muscle mass so you maintain that lean tissue. Um, you know, it's two totally different things. I think the other thing I mentioned too, I mean, Mark, you're, mm-hmm. you're super lean. I'm probably not as lean as you. I think it depends if, if you're trying to walk around at 10% body fat and you don't necessarily have the genetics for that. I think that's another thing that people don't talk right. about. It's like for some, like in this culture here in Costa Rica, you have the, the Ticos is what the Costa Ricans are called. And they're just generally a lean just genetically lean. A lot of these these guys are walking around, you know, just ripped up, and that's and they've never done a six, uh, uh, you know, they've never done a sit up in their life. Right. They're, they're shredded. So for for me, I have more of that, you know, mesomorph endomorph body type, which right. is that sort of athletic or bigger bone frame. And there's tests online you can check right. your your body type. Um, but if you have, you know, it depends on how lean you want to get. I think that's the other thing. I mean, getting sub, I think a good goal, you know, getting between 12 and 16%, I think, you know, based on the literature, based on the research, I think that's, that to me seems like a good range. I think getting under, like, if you're living under 12%, I think the reality of that is just going to be a huge trade-off to your life. Right. right. <laughs> so it's like, it's very you know fair. what I'm saying? And, and I think... That pro- you're probably not going out and, and having drinks with your friends. You're probably, you know, having to sleep eight, nine hours a, a night, especially at our age. If you're in your 40s or older, uh, unfortunately, you know, you have, to, you have to do things a little differently. And it is a little bit harder to get leaner um, as we get older, but not impossible. I mean, I've worked with guys in their 50s and 60s who are who have, you know, gone from 25 percent to 15% to 12%. So not impossible. Um, but yeah, sorry for being so long. No, I think that's, I think, dude, it's, it's, it's great info, man. I really, you know, I really appreciate it. I think I, I, 
I appreciate you mentioning genetics because everyone has different genetics. And one thing I've noticed is that some guys like they just fight their genetics or they just like, especially like the kind of quote unquote skinny fat guy. It's like, yeah. he always want, you know, it's like, Oh, I want to build muscle and lose fat at the same time. And it's like, and he'll, uh, I'll, I'll get an image. I'm like, dude, like your, your body's nothing like that guy. Like he's, his, yeah. his, 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 like his bone structure is completely different than yours. So anyways, I, I appreciate you kind of any, any thoughts on what I just said there? <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. I, I, I don't think that can be emphasized enough. I mean, right. I think genetics play a huge role, but I think genetics play a role. It, you know, to me, if it's, if it's 30%, if it's 50%, who knows it's, you have, you know, you've been dealt a certain card. You can thank right. your parents for that. Right. Um, and then, and then it's lifestyle and it's, and it's choices. But the, the reality is if you're wired genetically to be more of an ectomorph, which is that skinny body type, it's going to be easier to get leaner. Right. But then, but I don't think the flip side is also true that, that, that ectomorph, it's going to be harder for them to build to muscle. Right. So, you know, everybody was like, oh, I wish I was that, that, you know, ectomorph body type. But actually, if you look at um, the research, it's like the ectomorph body types that actually don't have muscle that, that get what you call like skinny fat, where they're over fat, right. they can really get in trouble metabolically because they might not look, you know, huge and they might, they might be walking around thinking that they're relatively healthy, but they might have a fasting glucose, you know, they might be pre-diabetic. They might have, you know, all these, these right. metabolisms that are, that are right. dysfunctional. Right. So, um, yeah, I think your genetics are your genetics, but, but obviously it's going to be harder if you have a, a bigger body type to get leaner. Right. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is like, I think it's really important to have, to be, internally motivated to know why you're doing it because a lot of times people get to a certain body fat percentage and then you know the goalposts move and you're at 12 percent, you're at 10 percent, but you're not satisfied it's, it's there's always something next there's that human kind of desire for more so i think we got to be careful around around being attached to a certain body fat percentage. I mean, I think for women, it's probably way more complicated because of our cultural standards. But I think for men, too, we're so attached to having this, you know, once I get to 10%, I'm going to be right, then I'm going to be happy, then I'm going to get the girl that you know, I think that's just, I think it's just a flawed sort of way to think of things. It's a mindset thing. Like, like you talk about all the time, like you talked about sort of up front, you know, at the early at the onset of this call, it's like, changing that mindset and getting clear around, around what you're doing. So, right. No, I appreciate that. And that's one reason, like one big reason why, you know, at built lean, it's been a completely shift. Like when I first started, I was really emphasizing that like, Oh, you got to get to this percentage of body fat. Now I'm like, no, no, no. Like if you really focus on vitality and you take it seriously, a lean body is the after effect. hundred percent. Like if you really yeah. take your energy seriously and your vitality seriously, and you're like, focus it, it's like you're going to get leaner, right? Like you're, you're not going to want to, you know, crush the, that burger with fries and beers after if you really care about vitality, right? And so anyways, that's kind of how we, how I've shifted. And I think we're on the same page with that. And that's a yeah. more sustainable like outlook, right? Yeah, it's focusing more on the, like it's, it's like the, the, the process versus right. the outcome. Right, like, right. You know, I think uh, Bill Walsh, the, the football coach was like, everybody just do your job and the scoreboard will take care of itself. You know, it's just right. like, it's, it's focus on process, not, not outcome. 
but yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm on board with you. Cool. And so um, for a guy who is inconsistent with his eating, what advice would you give? Man, that's tough. I think um, so. The biggest thing that I see is this like weekend, weekenditis, like the, the, the really good through the week, and then they kind of throw down or, or binge on the weekends. And, and that's the big, that big one that I see. And I would, my advice would be, I, I think tracking, get, get awareness of what's going on. Like just get a baseline as, because some people are, you know, they're eating great for five days of the week and then they're just eating just enough. They're like so close, but that extra order of fries or that extra beer is just putting them over the top. And if they just eliminate a little bit, they would be at a deficit and making progress, but they're just not aware of that. So I think tracking, um, I think tracking, I think fasting too. I think just, you know, creating some arbitrary rules, um, you know, some, some eating times, if it's 12 to eight, if it's 10 to six, whatever it is to just shorten up the, the window, I think that can help. Um, and finding someone, I mean, I think finding, finding a coach, finding someone to hold you accountable, finding a, it doesn't have to be a coach, but it can be a partner, a, a friend. I think, um, yeah, having somebody hold your feet to the fire, I think is important. Cool. Cool. No, I appreciate that. And so, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the kind of lifestyle and mindset aspects, which are obviously one of the three pillars, right. Of, of your kind of approach. And so, you know, the three pillars of Nick, Nick Holt Fitness are, you know, smart individualized nutrition, daily movement, and clear mindset slash stress management, right? So what do you mean by clear mindset? Yeah, clear mindset to me is just, just like having that clarity around what you're trying to do around like what's that, what's that North Star, right? right? So for me, it's I want to be able to surf and play tennis and live a, a a badass, vital, healthy lifestyle for the next 30 years, you know? And, and so to me, that keeps me, you know, that, you know, I still, I'll still eat a donut from time to time, but that keeps me on the path, right? That keeps me making the good decisions because I have, it's, it's basically like having that powerful why is, is how I think about that mindset. It's, it's having clarity of what you're trying to do because I think when we have, that clarity, then a lot of a lot of people come to me, and I'm sure you get this all the time. I need to be more disciplined. Right? <laughs> Never heard that. <laughs> Never heard that. And I think a lot of times the discipline is actually just a mask for lack of clarity. They want to lose weight, you know, but it's not. There's not more. There's not a powerful reason behind that because you know just as much as I do. The 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 nebulous vague sort of goal of losing weight is it's just not that helpful right when you have i want to be there and i i don't want to have diabetes like my father does i want to be i want to be able to dance at my you know daughter's wedding or you know like stuff like that uh is what i'm really talking about when i'm talking about like clear mindset having having that having that big, what they call, you know, a uh, high, hard goal. And then I think it's building in those, those practices, those behavior goals, like we talked about a few minutes ago around, you know, the, what does it take to get there? You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's not complicated, right? 
it's pretty simple to to achieve that you know what we're trying to what, how we help guys it's hard but it's very simple and i think that's a that's a good distinction but when we have that clear goal and that clarity i think it it just makes a lot of the daily sort of suffering and struggles uh it, it allows you to get through those. It allows you to get through those obstacles right. a little easier. By the way, I love the word North Star or love the, like, or the words North Star or the idea. Like that's, that's really what it's about. And, and one thing we, we've talked about with the building program is like the North Star is, is energy, right? If you really keep that, and as we're saying, like, it's like there's challenges in your daily life. Things happen. But if you really focus on that like North Star, it can, it can help you get through it. And you're like, oh, it's okay. Um, and I really appreciate that, Nick. And so you've discussed the importance of a trained mind. And this is actually pretty cool. You wrote the following. An untrained mind will always be lost in thought. An untrained mind will be easily distracted. An untrained mind will be emo- easily emotionally hijacked. And an untrained mind will give up when the going gets tough. And so what are some mindset training exercise, exercises to build a stronger and more resilient mindset? Yeah. I think the big thing that I've discovered now for the last five or six years is, is some kind of meditation practice. I think, and it doesn't have to be, I mean, I look at meditation as it could be a stretching routine you do. It could be a walk on the beach. It doesn't have to be a, um, you know, a spiritual quest. I mean, I think that's a beautiful thing too. Um, but just some kind of practice where you're, you're tuning into the present moment. You're, you're, you know, you're practicing what's called mindfulness. You're aware of your setting. You're aware of, of thoughts coming into your mind. Um, most of them are going to be negative and self-doubt and, you know, telling that you're, you're not good enough. And it's having that awareness and it's training that. And it's being okay with that. I personally use an app called Waking Up uh, with Sam Harris. I find that to be so useful. Uh, I generally do about 10 minutes a day. Um, but it's basically, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a mindfulness practice. And I think it can look different for, for different people. I mean, a lot of people think of this meditation as this, I can never meditate. Um, I'm too busy or right. And I think that there's like a Zen quote saying something like, you know, if you're too busy to meditate, you just need to actually spend time more meditating, right? (laughs) Like if you think you're too busy, like you probably have to spend more time doing it. But the point is like even five minutes a day can be pretty powerful of just grounding yourself, bringing yourself into more uh, parasympathetic, right? More of that rest and digest part of the nervous system. I think a lot of the people listening to this, myself, probably you, entrepreneurs, you know, business owners, people are trying to achieve a lot. They're just running, you know, they're running their system uh, in that sympathetic drive. They're always up. And I think meditation um, mindfulness can be a really powerful tool. And there's some amazing apps out there. I mean, we're living in sort of a golden era of like access to, to these things, you know, to these, to these really, to these resources that have been around for, you know, the yogis have known this for thousands of years. Ancient whiz, ancient cultures have known this for thousands of years. Um, for whatever reason, you know, it hasn't been, you know, in, in our culture, um, and probably for good reason, which is a separate topic, but yeah, just a simple meditation practice, uh, can be really powerful. Cool. Cool. And, um, this kind of ties into the, the, it's all related, right? The kind of, uh, what you just talked about and stress management, 
Um, and can you talk maybe a little bit more about like how stress can sometimes negatively affect someone in terms of their ability to, um, you know, improve their health and well-being, get lean, and then conversely, like, are there any other tips that other than what you just mentioned that you'd want to talk about? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, I think the stress thing is really interesting because a lot of a lot of times people say, oh, I'm so stressed out. I need to reduce my stress. I need to be less stressed. And it's I actually look at it differently. And if you look at like the some of the research and literature around stress, I mean, you know this, like the way you get stronger is you stress the system, right? It's it's kind of the difference between acute stress, which is like a short term stressor, which is what exercise is. And you recover and you build and you get stronger from it. I think what most people are talking about is chronic stress. So they're just feeling like they're overwhelmed and they just, they're spread thin kids at home, the work stress. I mean, talk about COVID, you know, COVID stress, just upending people's lives, you know, spending more time with their partners at home, um, you know, all that stuff. I think it's, it's about understanding that stress kind of like the mindset stuff we talked about, it's framing it a little differently. There's some good books on this. But the growth mindset, like Carl Dweck's work, who's a researcher out of Stanford, it's like looking at this stuff as an opportunity versus, you know, versus like a, a victim. And I think you definitely need you definitely need to have the resources. So I, I don't I, I think I want to be sensitive to, you know, for some people, if, if you've been through a lot and you've had trauma or suffering, like you just might not have the, the resources to be able to deal with stressors. But I think for most of us. Um, it's just framing it a little differently. Um, and it's looking at stress as something that can make us better. It's something that can make us, you know, to me, it's not about reducing stress. It's, be, it's becoming more resilient. It's, it's, it's that idea of like the anti-fragile. It's like, how can I make this, this system more, uh, more resilient? And I think a lot of that is, is doing some hard shit from time to time. I think this is like the Wim Hof stuff with the cold shower. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, doing some hard stuff, it, 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 it kind of, it's like, it, it's training that stress response and it's, you know, the body can, can, and the mind can do a lot more than I think we give it credit for sometimes. So it's, it's just framing it a little differently. And, um, yeah, as far as a specific tool, I think, I think meditation, I think, I think taking a hot shower, I think doing some foam rolling, I think, um, doing things to, to down-regulate the system if you feel like you're one of these people who is stressed out and you're struggling with chronic stress, you, you, you just probably need to down-regulate the system. You need to, you know, what's your resting heart rate? That's a good proxy. I mean, there's things like HRV, which is heart rate variability that I'm sure you're familiar with that can actually give you a, you know, a measurement of, of your like what's going on in your nervous system. But I think just get your resting pulse. If your resting pulse is north of 70, you know, you're probably in more of that sympathetic, that, that fight or flight um, state. And so doing some basic five minutes of stretching before you go to bed can be really, really powerful. Right. Awesome. Well, um, well, listen, I think we're, we're uh, getting up on time, uh, Nick, and I really appreciate all that. I think there's some uh, nuggets of gold for sure in there. And so um, last two questions, anything else we haven't discussed that you would like to mention? I think we've covered it, man. Yeah, we're, we're a little over an hour. So it's just been great, man. It's been it's been fun. Um, yeah, I think I think we're good for now. Um, cool. I think cool. 
Okay, yeah. and um, how can people follow you or learn more about you? Holt Fitness. So um, yeah, my name Nick Holt Holt H O L T Fitness. That that'll give more information about my uh, and you can learn a little bit more about my story and, and all that good stuff. Awesome. And again, like I'm going to include links on the article to all your stuff, and um, and and I think that's it. So uh, I think that's it, Nick. I really really appreciate you uh, coming on, and I appreciate the listeners um, kind of listening to this point. And uh, enjoy the rest of the day, man. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, it was a pleasure, dude. I, I really enjoyed that. All right, take care, man. All right, bye-bye. Bye.